This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Balls and Isabel Hardman. Now, today is the first day back of Parliament after recess. Katie, what do we have on the agenda for the government in this new term? So it's begun with a subject close to Rishi Sunak's heart, maths. And he has given a speech about the need to learn maths until 18 and also how people shouldn't be dismissive. We should have a more positive attitude. It's key to growing the economy. And we should be able to compete with other countries which tend to have much better maths proficiency. This may all sound a little bit familiar because Rishi Sunak has said very similar things uh, first during the first leadership contest and then obviously at the beginning of the year when he gave that five priority speech he also spoke about maths and you had a situation where the line they pre-briefed the day before the speech was the maths line which definitely led some Tory MPs to think is this the vision um, and I think there was some relief and Len moved on the next day and it was it's five priorities it was almost a way of trying to get that bit out the way mm. so you could focus on this I think it is interesting as some have pointed out to me in the Tory party that this has had Rishi Sunak has A, decided to kickstart the return of the new term, but also during the local elections campaign. If you think about what Labour are doing, they are doing very, you know, targeted, you know, crime week, health week, trying to get their messages out. Whereas the Tories, if anything, are trying to, at least from a central government national perspective, almost pretending the local elections aren't happening. And I think that's partly because they expect it to be quite bad news. I think uh, they want to run a very local campaign. You did have Rishi Sunak, for example, looking at potholes. <laughs> but yeah, it's an, it's an interesting announcement. <laughs> Isabel, your take on this re-announcement. Um, and also, you're looking ahead to the local elections. You know, What do you make of Labour's approach to the campaigning so far? Yeah, so it's, it's strange because the, the last speech Rishi Sunak gave on maths provision, and you don't often say that about prime ministers, that they're sort of regularly giving maths provision speeches. Um, but he seems to give one at the start of every new parliamentary term, almost as though he's the sort of, you know, the head teacher setting the agenda for, for the school. And I don't know whether this is just his sort of way of getting back into the zone. He's like, right, yeah, maths. Do you think it's, like a, do you think it's a return to head boy days? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it's maybe it's how he psyched himself up for the new term at Winchester. I, I don't know. If, if our colleague James Forsyth was still with us, we could ask him. But maybe they're doing maths together in Downing Street as we speak. <laughs> so, but look, I mean, you know, it's, it's not niche in lots of ways because it's really important to Britain's future success. Um, that it's part of his big push on STEM. We obviously have this new science department, although there's a lot of wrangling over um, who's going to be the maternity cover Secretary of State when Michelle Donnellan goes on maternity leave. And the the reason I think people are dismissing it as being niche is partly obviously the British allergy to maths, but also because we don't actually have enough maths teachers to um, <laughs> to, to supply Sunak's ambition of everyone doing, loving and boasting about maths. And so it does seem a, a little bit like a sort of random pledge without the um, the backup. And then, as Katie says, uh, it is in contrast to Labour's possible. I don't think laser-like focus is quite the right word because it has caused Labour a lot of trouble uh, over the past couple of weeks perhaps crude campaigning bent at the moment on crime. And obviously, we've seen the 
the ructions within the Labour Party over those Twitter posts about Rishi Sunak and criminals. Um, And I think that's a real lesson to Starmer that, yes, sure, you can go all in on something, but you have to know that your party's going to march behind you on something. And this was probably something that was put together um, without a great deal of thought. And obviously everyone in the entire party seems to be claiming that somebody else did it. It was also thoughtless in the sense that there's not a unity um, of messaging on the Labour front bench on crime, on law and order, um, on all these quite difficult policies for Labour. So if you're going to go all out guns blazing uh, the Tory party, you, you better be sure that your own party isn't going to have a bigger fight, which is what ended up happening. Katie, just on that Labour point, uh, the Parliamentary Labour Party is meeting today. It's been reported that they'll be talking about these ads as part of the things they're talking about. I mean, is the party still very unhappy with some of the direction that's happening? Is it still split, would you say? Well, I don't think people who didn't like the advert last week now love it. Um, so there's, you know, there's still some unhappiness in that sense. I mean, I think that the real indicator is going to be how many more attack ads do we see? And knowing seems quite so sure. Because mm. we've had some briefings that's now being paused. But some others saying, well, this is the new future. Let's see when it comes to, uh, you know, the local elections push, if we get any more. I would say if we don't, then that gives you your clearest answer as to how well it's really gone. (laughs) And Isabel, there's also looks like to be a return of striking. Catch us up on what's happening with that, because it, it seems like quite a complicated situation where different unions are actually having different approaches right now. Yeah, so this is on uh, nursing and ambulance workers and junior doctors. And for a little while, ministers thought that they'd at least resolve the nursing and ambulance worker strikes and that they could then shame the British Medical Association, which is representing the junior doctors, into falling into line on pay as well. But they had crossed too many bridges and it actually turns out, as you've discussed previously, um, that the members of the Royal College of Nursing have voted against the pay deal that was offered members of Unison, which represents a number of ambulance workers, have voted in favour of it. The Royal College of Nursing is balloting its members on further strike action. BMA is saying that it may coordinate its junior doctor strikes with nursing strikes, which would be devastating for the NHS. Although the RCN, their um, General Secretary Pat Cullen, has said that she's got no plans to do that kind of coordination I mean, I suppose once you've got the date for your strike, it, you know, you don't you can't really stop other unions from going for the same date. And previously, NHS leaders were very clear that while the nursing and ambulance worker strikes were very difficult for the health service, the junior doctors walking out, particularly given the, the sort of level of derogations, as it's known, were, were much um, less accommodating from the doctors, that that was causing severe problems for the health service, which as we've discussed so many times on this podcast, is in severe crisis anyway. Uh, So to have a coordinated strike um, would be really, really damaging to the health service. And potentially, and this is a matter of real debate within Westminster, something that the unions could come to regret, because you do have this theory amongst some in Whitehall that this is a war of attrition where public support will just wane for these unions now that they've been offered what looks like an okay pay deal now that you know their union bosses had recommended or at least put the deal in most cases to their members you know why why are nurses being so unreasonable I think they've still got a way to go before the public starts saying why are nurses being so unreasonable but it 
you know, and they do enjoy much more sympathy than even than doctors. But it's just worth looking back at the um, the strikes in the seventies, which were over a different, a very different matter, over private practice in the NHS. And the British Medical Association ended up being nicknamed the British Money Association um, <laughs> as a result of the the way in which it drew out the strikes at the uh, the latter end of the nineteen seventies and led ironically to a, an explosion in uh, people taking out private health insurance. So there is a sort of a view amongst some that that this could really backfire on the unions, but either way, it's going to cause real problems for public services. Yeah, and, and I think. There's still some way to knowing how exactly this is going to shake out because there are two unions left to vote on the current pay offer. Then it will go to a meeting where the unions, depending on size, as part of the NHS Staff Council, have different weighted votes. So you could, in theory, at the moment, still have a situation where this pay offer is accepted. However, that doesn't necessarily stop striking workers and mm. amongst the unions that have said no to it. But then there's a question of, would they put it back out again? So at the moment, I think number 10 uh, is being written up as being very bullish and like digging in uh, and showing little sign of getting around the negotiating table. But I also think there's a risk of overreading that. Mm. Would it make sense for number 10 to start talking about increasing pay offers when there's ballots out on the current pay offer? I think they want to see where this all goes before you have a situation where, where there is a, another move. I think the problem for Rishi Sunak is even if, as Isabel says, you have this probably very optimistic government scenario where opinion turns on uh, you know health workers for not accepting these pay, pay offers, which of course the union leaders did recommend they accept, that doesn't help Rishi Sunak take off his priority to slash waiting lists. He still has a practical problem in terms of delivering his aims. Katie and Isabel, thanks very much. And if you're enjoying this podcast, why not join Katie Balls, Fraser Nelson and The Daily Telegraph's Camilla Tomini on the 10th of May in the Emanuel Centre in Westminster. They'll be talking about the local elections just gone, as well as the coronation of King Charles. What will it mean for Britain? You can get tickets for this at spectator.co.uk forward slash coronation. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 